There was a sound uh, that I was trying to master when I was first learning about musical theatre, and it's this kind of big, like, big belty, like, but, I think you just broke the microphone. Yeah, that's that's me still trying to do it quiet. Welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you speak and present with rockstar confidence. I'm Christina Cantors, your host and founder of The C Method Communication Skills Training. For free resources and to subscribe to the show, visit thecmethod.com. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to episode 124 of Standout Get Noticed. Christina with you here. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing awesome. I'm so excited to be leaving this Sunday for the US. My partner Aaron and I are heading to the Podcast Movement Conference in LA where I'll be running a workshop there. I cannot wait. Not only will I be representing the C Method and this podcast, but I'll also be representing the business that Aaron and I have together, which is Podcast Services Australia. We help businesses set up, launch and run engaging podcasts. And we're really looking forward to heading to Podcast Movement to meet with a bunch of other podcasters and learn about how it's helped them to grow their businesses. In fact, Aaron and I are going to do a mini-sode, like a mini-episode later this week and have a conversation around what we hope to get from the conference as well. And we're hoping to podcast from the conference too, so keep an ear out for that on those updates. And if you want to keep up to date with our adventures, follow me on Instagram. Now, I've never mentioned Instagram before because I don't really use it, but I do use it when I travel. It's one of my favorite things to do. So normal life, no Instagram, travel life, Instagram. So go follow me. I'm at CJ Canters. So that's C-J-C-A-N-T-E-R-S. Now, if you were wondering, my workshop at Podcast Movement is on vocal and mic technique, as this is something that affects all podcasters. I mean, if your voice doesn't come across as authentic and confident, it's going to be difficult to get people to really believe in what you're saying and to want to follow you and to be, and to look up to you as an expert or a thought leader. And for beginner podcasters, microphone technique can be a little bit confusing and there's some there's some things that you can do to actually help you to sound better and clearer and just have a better quality audio for your listeners. So that's what that workshop is going to be about. Coincidentally, that is exactly what this podcast episode is all about too. And I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest this week. It's the fabulous Emanuela Grace. I met Emanuela through the League of Extraordinary Women, a community that we're both part of. And when she told me what she did, I thought, oh, I have to get you on the podcast. And what you're about to hear today is sort of a taster of what I'll be doing in the workshop. Mine's going to be very interactive. And I wanted to speak to Emanuela too, to pick her brains as to what she does with her clients to help them make the most amount of impact with their voices. Emanuela is the founder of Find Your Voice, a vocal training organization of voice and performance experts dedicated to training people from all walks of life to master their voice and give strong performances. Emanuela has almost two decades of performance and coaching experience in Australia, the UK, Europe and the USA. She's helped thousands of people to overcome the obstacles that limit their performances. Emanuela has been engaged as a vocal coach and performance expert to CEOs and CFOs of large organizations, high-profile individuals, educators, 
therapists, entrepreneurs, and, and thought leaders across a, a variety of industries. So really anyone who wants to make a greater impact in their field and increase their influence on stage. That is what Emanuela is an expert at. And in this conversation, we talk about why is vocal tone so important and can it really impact your success? We talk about how people can change their vocal tone and how the psychological aspect affects the physiological as well in terms of how you sound. We talk about how you can change your voice to sound more authoritative or or to align better with what your goals are and what you're hoping to achieve or to position yourself as, and at the same time, to sound natural and authentic to you. Emanuela also gives us lots of tips and practical things that you can implement straight away in order to start being more aware of your vocal tone and how to improve it. I loved this conversation with Emanuela. I learned so much and I'm sure you will too. Show notes for this episode will be at thecmethod.com slash findyourvoice. That's thecmethod.com slash findyourvoice. If you want to reach out to Emanuela and find out if she can help you with your own vocal tone and, and speaking for success, then you can reach out to her there. Okay, get ready to meet the lovely Emanuela Grace. Emanuela Grace, you're a legend. <laughs> among vocal coaches, so I'm told. And today we're talking about how people can improve their vocal tone and how it impacts your success. But first, before we get into that, you run Find Your Voice, which is a, a vocal and performance training company. You've been doing this for many, many years. Tell me, what is it about vocal coaching that you love particularly? Well, Christina, I didn't get into vocal coaching on purpose. It was something where I was told that I couldn't sing. And I also sustained a pretty serious head injury when I was 18 and was told that I wouldn't ever function normally. And what I know about those two experiences is if you tell me I can't do something, it's like a red flag at a bull. (laughs) And um, quite a bit of time into my career now, I realized that It was never about the singing for me. It was about proving to myself that I could do something that I'd been told I couldn't do. And so Find Your Voice grew out of a desire in me to give people something they'd been told they couldn't have, which was a voice that they liked. You tell someone that you can't sing and you affect their whole identity. They hear that voice every day and if they don't like the sound of it, that's a piece of feedback that they're constantly receiving that's not constructive and it's not helpful and it's not positive. Mm. And so to give people a resource where they can understand it's just a skill set and you can change how your voice sounds, it can change how you perceive yourself. So it's not just about singing. It's about how you use your voice in everyday situations. Yeah. And singing's a really great resource for learning how to handle your voice. And a lot of people are affected by the stigma that singing is something that's exclusive or you have to be talented or special in some way when in fact it's something we're all capable of. You go to Inuit or villages in Africa where everyone sings and it's part of the culture. You don't see someone sat in the corner and told to play the sticks or mouth the words. (laughs) And in Western culture, there is a stigma that singing is something that you can only do if you're kind of really crazy or really talented. Mm. And it's perpetuated by a lot of the media. So when we tell people, well, if you want to sing at your wedding, we'll teach you how to do that. If you want to sing in the shower and enjoy it, we can help you with that too. And it's just teaching them a skill set and how to understand the 
mechanics of the instrument, but also addressing the psychological implications of having been told that you can't do something and overcoming that message that has become integrated into how you perceive yourself. Can you give me an example of a client you've worked with where their view of their voice was really holding them back and what what impact it actually had when you worked with them through your coaching? I run an online course that we've just launched recently called the Primal Performance Course and we don't do any singing. We look at the physiological and psychological implications of your performances and we look at life as a performance, you know, the performance of a lifetime is what you do every day. And we are two weeks into the new cycle with a new group and the feedback I got from two of my clients today nearly brought me to tears. One was that she had gone to her grandmother's funeral And learning that how she handled her voice was a choice. She could regulate her voice during the eulogy to still allow the emotion to come through but not break. And she said that awareness that she was choosing how to use her voice helped her to maintain the dignity that she wanted to have in that situation. And then another client, and it's so moving when you hear this from a man because Mm. men are so reticent often to express their emotions. He came to me today and said, oh, the kids are actually starting to do what I'm telling them to do. You know, I feel like finally I have some authority in my home. And that was really moving to hear someone see within two sessions a change. So was that that from changing his voice or was that from changing his mindset first? Well – The two things are integrated Mm. and it's a chicken or an egg situation, I think. Um, Psychologists for quite a few decades now have been trying to work out what comes first. (laughs) Uh, The session that these instances were following was one where we talked about resonance in the voice and how the larynx height affects the resonance. So what we perceive as a lower pitch or higher pitch might actually be a byproduct of the size of the instrument. So I use the example of a piccolo, a flute, and an oboe. Sure. They're all wind instruments. But if you play a concert A on a piccolo or or a note on a piccolo, it will sound higher than it does on a flute, and that will sound higher than the oboe. And even though the note is the same, it will sound progressively lower as the instrument gets bigger. So by changing the size of our instrument in our throat, we can change the resonance and have a perceived lower tone. Now, we're fundamentally animals, and like animals, we respond to what we hear, and a higher, more uptight sound. I'm doing bunny ears, you can't see (laughs) bunny ears around the uptight, but if the throat is up and it's tight, it's going to sound higher sure, and will sound more emotionally unstable, will sound distressed. And that's not a voice you can trust. Whereas if you lower the vocal tone, I'll I'll give you an example. If I speak up here really high, I sound really wound up. And if I tell you don't do that, you're not going to believe that I have authority. No. If I lower my vocal tone, here's a mid position. This is where I speak normally. If I go even lower, I start to sound almost comic in the other way. But what happens is if you feel the impulse to go high, you can counterbalance that by knowing you can go lower. You end up somewhere in the middle. So saying to the kids, kids, go to bed, (laughs) is going to be far less constructive than, okay, kids, bedtime. Yes, because that's really bringing that sense of authority across Mm. when you speak with that depth 
Yeah, and all you're doing is changing actually the position of the larynx inside the vocal tract or inside the throat. We'll talk about how to do that in a second, but how does someone's vocal tone impact their success at work, for instance? Your authority can be conveyed through vocal tone and and body language is really important as well, but you can teach people how to handle that, but it's no good to you if the voice then gives you away. For example, in board meetings, if you speak rapidly at a high pitch, you'll sound hysterical. And it's so easy and it's so unfortunate for women to be dismissed as a hysterical woman, Uh, especially with female executives. I work with them to kind of work against this stigma. And so if you can lower your vocal pitch and measure it, you'll sound far more stable and far more like you have authority. Mm. And it's also for some people goes the other way, learning not to speak, learning when to hold your peace. That's as much a part of the process as learning to regulate your vocal tone is learning when to not use your voice. So what's the first thing that people can do to get started? Because I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, a lot of people and, and the clients that I work with as well, they come to me saying, I want to be able to speak with more authority. I want to have more presence. I want to be able to speak uninterrupted and, and run these meetings. But vocal tone is something they wouldn't have considered before because a lot of the time people are thinking, oh, it's what I say. They're not thinking, oh, it's, it's how I'm, I'm sounding. It's how, how I say it. So for someone who's just getting started and they're thinking, okay, maybe it is to do with my vocal tone. You were saying before about regulating your, your vocal tone and measuring it. Is that the first place to get started? And, And how do we do it? The way we learn an alphabet is by playing with it and we use different resources like blocks and, you know, drawings and things and we play. And as adults, we so rarely play now. And the best way to actually get your head around a new concept is to come to it with a childlike mindset, to come to it with an acceptance of your ignorance and let go of everything else that you know. So one of the things that I give people as homework is singing in the shower. And that's not really negotiable as homework (laughs) if you're a find your voice client because, you know, people will give you all sorts of excuses. And what I know about excuses are that they're just that and you might want to call them reasons, but the byproduct is the same. You're not doing the work that's going to get you there. So you need to ask yourself, what's stopping you? (laughs) Uh, So singing in the shower is a really good place to actually start because hopefully you're in there alone and you can... Uh, start to make some sounds and start to make some noises in a really exposed way. Now, if you can get silly with yourself in the shower with the vocal tones that you're using, it's going to be a lot easier when you're around other people. It's funny how nervous people get with themselves. Mm. And it's like, try it. You know, I even have days where I stand in the shower and I can't think of anything to do. Like... (laughs) I can't think of any any sounds to make or my mind will go blank. And it's the most incredibly vulnerable place. But if you can learn to step up in there and really let loose, that will go with you into the rest of the day. So when you're saying let loose in the shower, make sounds, are you talking like me, 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 or just anything? There was a sound uh, that I was trying to master when I was first learning about musical theatre. And it's this kind of big, like, witchy sound like, you'd know it. I don't want to break your microphone doing it. Lean backwards. Yeah. Um, 
it, for all of those who know Wicked, you know. Yeah. I'd sooner try defying gravity. It's that kind of twangy, bright. Um, I'm still scared I'll break the microphone no, if I do it properly. Right. That was fine. That was great. You just lean backwards and do it. <laughs> but, you know, that kind of big, belty. Mm. Like, but. That, they, I think they, you that, just broke the microphone. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's me still trying to do it quiet. <laughs> All right. So that's what you do in the shower. So when I first, like, was trying to master that sound, because it's such a big sound yes. and you can't, like, you heard it didn't sound very good when I tried to do it quietly. Like, you can't halfway belt. You can't. Mm. It's an all or nothing sound. And so to go into the shower and just practice that. And one day I finally must have gotten the hang of it because I got out of the shower and I heard all my neighbors standing outside the window. <laughs> That's fantastic. And they must have sat through weeks of me not getting it. Yeah. For them to finally, oh, finally she's. She nailed it. <laughs> she nailed the sound. Um, because, And I remember the first time I ever tried to do that sound, my husband came running in. He thought I'd fallen over in the shower and I was squealing. <laughs> okay, so that's what we do. We get in the shower, we let loose, we hope that our neighbours aren't listening and we play with – Warn your spouse with, that you're, you're, you're yeah, going to be spouse, okay. <laughs> put the cat away and we practice – do we practice going low, practice going yeah, exactly. high, practice being loud? Yeah, just okay. play with it. So, look, the rule is never push. If it hurts, stop mm. and don't do anything that hurts without supervision. There are some um, things when you're training your voice that may be uncomfortable, but it needs to be the right kind of uncomfortable like, oh, I had a really good workout at the gym, uncomfortable, not I've sprained my ankle, uncomfortable. <laughs> yep. And that's something that a really good vocal coach or singing teacher will help you differentiate between. But it's really like the first thing is that that physiological barrier that we have to get through that's starting with our mindset. You know, you're having the thought, I don't want to sound silly or I don't want to look stupid or I sound dumb or like whatever that narrative is. The byproduct of that is physiologically you're not making sounds. You're set in a habit, a vocal habit that you use your voice a particular way and you do the same thing over and over again day in, day out. And what you're not actually noticing is the range of sounds that you're using when you need to scream at someone, when you want to whisper, when someone's upset, you actually are using a range of sounds, but you're not aware of it. Mm. So coming back to playing helps you become mindful of the range of sounds that you have at your disposal. So one thing, for example, get a piece of poetry and read it out in a funny voice and read it out in a sad voice and read it out in a loud voice and and or a song, you know, sing it in 10 different ways. I don't care if it's I'm a little teapot, you know. Yeah. It, it it's just, you know, you can do that in a little voice, in a big voice. And you you know, there's all sorts of things you can do with your voice that will help you kind of become mindful of the range that you have at your disposal. Mm. And when it comes to actually utilizing those different types of voices, is it still authentic to who we are if we're using a, a deep voice, you know, a deep version of our voice versus a high version of our voice? How can we do it so it still sounds natural? Well, I get that question a lot from people and they say, well, it doesn't sound like me. And I ask them, how did you come to sound like you in the first place? You know, the way your voice sounds is a byproduct of your socialization and where you grew up and perhaps the people that raised you listening to their voices or, you know, my accent's a mess. I grew up internationally and I grew up um, with both Australian and foreign parents and uh, I'm married to a Norwegian, so our home language is both Norwegian and English. And all of these things influence how I speak. And 
the way you sound is a byproduct of all of those influences, so you can change that. And it doesn't have to be suddenly that you start speaking completely different. It's just about an awareness of what you have at your disposal and how you'll gradually integrate that. It's like if you think of yourself as a fat person, there's no reason why you can't go on a diet and start working out and then be thin. It's still you. Mm. Um, Just as, you know, if you're a redhead like I am and then you dye your hair blonde, like it's still me. There's all sorts of things we do to change ourselves and change our appearance but this is our voice and it's even more intimate than how we look because it's coming from within us. Mm. Um, but no one would ever say to someone, you can't lose weight or you can't change your hair color. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And coming coming to think of it, it's I feel like since I've started podcasting and since I've started doing more speaking, I've been more conscious of using my voice in a different way and actually and actually lowering it, speaking in that lower tone which I feel has more of more weight and and more authority when you're trying to you know direct people on stage or or have control of a group because I've seen you MC you're incredible with a a big group you own it well you have to but you you did you notice that you didn't go into that kind of 80s hey everyone (laughs) (laughs) like you didn't do that but that's like every generation has a vocal trend so uh one of the trends for our generation is vocal fry which some people perceive to be mumbling. And it's actually... That's when you at the end of the sentence, you're like, is that it? Well, some people just stay there the whole time. It's really oh, annoying. So they just creak their way through. Yeah. They so they just put no no air behind the voice at all. Well, there's air. There's actually two ways of making that sound. Okay. Uh, one is that there's not enough tension in the vocal folds, and that's actually can be really lovely as a stretch or a relaxation for after as a cool down. But the other one is constriction. Sure. And that happens higher up in the throat. That's not good. You'll hurt yourself. But... Every generation's got its thing. So there was the Bacall syndrome probably in like the 60s, which was like really husky and really quite, okay. you know, <laughs> like, like I've had too many cigarettes. And uh, uh, there was also the baby talk. I used to get when I first started my studio, lots of barristers, females that would come in and say, you know, I really think we should sue. <laughs> Why don't they take me seriously? Um, or uh, the great Australian upspeak. When everything's like a question. Mm-hmm. So each generation has a vocal tick of its own and they all have implications. Um, the Slackfold one, I've been working with a few people where banks have sent me people saying, look, they're coming in on the conference call and they're mumbling. And I'm like, they're not actually mumbling. They just don't have enough tension in the vocal fold to make a sound. And that's probably because they're only getting four hours a night sleep and – they're exhausted and their body can't actually muster the effort. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're a dynamic instrument. The sure. instrument is inside our throat, but it's being conducted or managed by something that's happening also in the body, in the head of the person that's playing that instrument. And so those two things are so tightly linked. You know, the instrument's not going to function well if the mind's not functioning well. Absolutely. I've learned so much about the importance of breathing in singing. Why are you smiling? Oh, just that if breathing's really important. If you don't do it, then you're dead. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I just get so many people come in and they're like, you know, I need to work on my breathing. And I'm like, well, you're not blue in the face and you're not on the floor. So, you know, let's assume that's fine for now. Um, but it is a really important tool. Mm. I think breathing has become the domain of really lazy voice teachers. 
uh, that they spend all this time focusing on breathing and, you know, and it might be a really contentious comment and I don't care. I've had so many people that have just been told to breathe in so many different ways that they've lost who they are. Babies can scream for hours. Their breathing is fine. What happens is as we grow up, like with learning how to handle our voice, we develop some really shocking habits and we get away from our natural way of breathing or we forget how Mm. to breathe in that original state and we develop some muscular habits and we develop some kind of nervous tics. And as a byproduct, our breathing kind of can become jagged or shallow, but fundamentally we know how to breathe unless we're dead because then we're not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think breathing is important, but I think also I would really be mindful not to dedicate too much time to learning how to breathe. I would say it's more about when you breathe and how you use breath as a way to focus yourself. So integrating breath into a mindfulness exercise is incredible. And I, you know, in our studio, we have this saying, nose breathe, nose breathe. Uh, There's this fantastic nerve, the uh, vagus nerve that runs uh, from the skull through the whole nervous system to all the vital organs. And it's stimulated when we, you know, rub our eyes or when we breathe through our nose or do the ujjayi breath in yoga. And it calms down the system. So learning to breathe in through the nose and breathe mindfully, yes, is important. And also timing with your breath when you sing, you know, you don't want to breathe halfway through a sentence. You wouldn't do it when you were speaking. But on the flip side, I wouldn't dedicate whole singing lessons to learning how to breathe. Just, you know, lay down at night before you go to sleep, put your hands on your belly and let your stomach rise and fall. Go back to how it was when you were a baby. You were fine at it then, you know. Yeah. So what are some other things that people can start to do to improve their vocal tone? What's something that we can get started doing apart from singing in the shower? (laughs) Well, in the first week of the primary performance course, I challenge people to work out actually what's important to them and then see if the voice that they use aligns with what's important in their life. So if you want to become a CEO and you're speaking like a sexy baby, those two things don't align. And then start to find opportunities where you can take the play that you have from the shower into your daily life. You know, it might feel a little funny at first standing up in a boardroom and speaking in a grown-up's voice when you're used to speaking like this. But this, there's an exercise that I do call the elevator pitch, which is where I get people to put their four fingers very gently across the front of their throat so that they can feel their larynx move up and down in the throat. So I call it the elevator pitch because it's like the larynx moves up and down inside the throat (laughs) like an elevator in a shaft. And I get them to kind of go, yay, like a cheerleader, and then "Uh uh-huh, like a kind of bored teenager, and then oh, like Yogi Bear, and then back to "Uh uh-huh, then yay, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yay, and just feel the larynx move up and down. So you feel it moving. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you want to have a go? All right. Yay! 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 And then normal. Uh huh. And then Yogi Bear. No. Uh huh. I can feel that. Yay! Yay! Oh my God! You really can feel that. Yeah. So it's like an elevator going up and down in the shaft. Mm. And then once you once you've experienced that, yeah, it's almost like because you've got that kind of biofeedback, you can you've got a physiological sensation to go with what you're hearing. Suddenly, all the playing that you're doing in the shower, you're like, oh, this is. This is the thing that's like it's. you start to make that connection between I have the thought to make a sound 
physically there's a response to that thought and then there's auditory feedback so you're hearing the sound Mm. that comes out and your brain will start to make new connections and as you make those new connections you'll start to very gradually automatically integrate that into how you're using your voice and so much of this doesn't have to be hard work it's just about awareness and learning to retrain the muscles but they will start to function differently anyway when you start to have awareness. Mm. So that playfulness, it's it doesn't mean that it's not serious just because it's fun. And so the playfulness is the mindset so that you're free, but there's some really serious stuff happening when you're doing those exercises and when you're making those sounds, you're teaching your brain new things. You're teaching it a new way to function. Mm. And so there'll be a muscular response to that. You know, you hear about some singers that won't even listen to music before a performance if they're on vocal rest because the vocal folds will respond even if they don't make a sound. Oh, wow. Yeah. But they have found that the vocal folds are a part of the body that need to be used to develop. So in deaf-mute adults that have never actually made vocal sounds, their vocal folds are the same as an infant. So there's something to be said for hearing a sound and making those sounds playfully and that affecting the development of the vocal folds. Wow. Now, when you work with your clients, I'm just curious, do you, do you get them to record themselves at any, any point? Is that, do you find that helpful or is, or not really? Oh, <laughs> look, that's an interesting one, and I take it on a case-by-case basis. It depends on the self-esteem. A lot of the time people come to us because they're not feeling confident about their voice, and recording their voice can sometimes compound that because essentially when you record your voice, especially on a phone, like this is beautiful recording equipment we're using now, but you record on a phone, you're taking a digital piece of machinery, and you are recording one part of the sound that is your voice so you know it's not being filtered through your ears it's the sound that's coming from the room into a really low quality recorder you're playing it through a digital uh, program then you're playing it out again through really bad speakers into a room and then hearing that that's not you anymore it's like looking at a photo of you at at 40 and looking at a photo of you when you're 20 and saying you know I'm, i'm the same It's the same, like I am that photo of me when I'm 20, whereas that was you, it was one part of you in that moment made two-dimensional. Sure. So when people listen to themselves, I think it's really important to firstly remember that. Secondly, I think recording yourself can be great for giving yourself feedback on your performances, but it's really important to be mindful that that's not all of you. It's one representation of who you are in that moment. Sure. And it's really important to, you know, get feedback and kind of have a critical mindset, but in a way that's helpful, not in a way that's taking you apart. Love that. I was just curious about that because um, I know a lot of people find it really confronting listening to their own voice and they choose not to listen to it for that reason. And when I first started podcasting, I heard myself back and I thought, oh, my God, do I really sound like that? But you don't. And it's just, one part of you. It's one yeah. version of you. It's like sometimes, have you ever had, like you can go the other way, have you ever had a photo taken of you and you're like, I look smashing. <laughs> I look so good in that photo. Yeah. And you're like, but I can't walk around making people look at me from this <laughs> angle all the time. 
<laughs> like you are, you can only look at me from the left mm. because that is my best side. <laughs> yeah, it when doesn't I have happen. all my makeup done and my hair's perfect, like that's what auto tune is. It's you walking around saying that you can only look at me on a thin day yeah. from the left hand side <laughs> when my hair and makeup's done and no other angle. <laughs> It's like a really heavily censored version of yourself. It's Mm. not you. Mm. Well, for those of you listening, if you want to see the uncensored, the the visual version of us, we're recording the video of this, which is going to be put on the membership site. You'll be able to see Emanuela's good side. And she made sure that she sat in the chair that showed her good side. (laughs) But I forgot to do my makeup. I forgot to do my makeup. That's my fault. I didn't tell you we'd be doing the video recording, but... Well done for playing along and I really appreciate it. If people want to learn more about your courses and your training, where should they go? Findyourvoiceaustralia.com. Findyourvoiceaustralia.com. Fantastic. And I'll link that up in the, the blog post of this episode as well. Thank you. Thanks so much, Emanuela, for joining me. It's, it's been my an pleasure. absolute pleasure. I'm off to go sing in the shower now. Oh. <laughs> With power poses. <laughs> With power poses. <laughs> Big thanks to Emanuela Grace from Find Your Voice for being an amazing guest on the show this week. You can find out more about what she does at findyourvoiceaustralia.com. That's findyourvoiceaustralia.com or simply visit the show notes at thecmethod.com slash findyourvoice. Now, I hope you're about to run off to the shower to start singing at the top of your voice and to express yourself express yourself, and, and start playing with that vocal tone. I highly encourage you to give that a go. And if you are coming to Podcast Movement, make sure you come to my workshop. I'll be very disappointed if you don't. Come to my workshop and we will work on some of these things. We'll work on that vocal technique and on the physical aspect and on the the psychological and confidence side of it as well. Okay, and that brings us to the end of this episode. Remember to follow me on Instagram. I'm at CJ Canters. That's at CJ Canters. I'll be posting lots and lots of posts around the conference, what I'm up to, and also my travel as well. Okay, and that's all from me this week. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome, and I'll talk to you next week when I'm at Podcast Movement. Oh, yeah. My name's Christina Canters, and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. <laughs>